Do you have it? Did you pull it as up far that as fast? The, the, the thing for Gay Twist? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a fakey mute 360. Basically, it's a caballero. Mute is when you grab it with the front hand, everybody. Ooh. Indie grab would be backhand. Backhand on the front side. Yeah. I believe. I'm not a big grabber. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. In this day and age. Insert Trump joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> this day and age, it's you know I don't even grab my board. Hey, there that's you how, go. That's, that's, that's how consent. PC I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's consent. I even get consent from my skateboard before I grab it. <laughs> oh, we're back. Welcome to Addictive Tickle 2.0 Episode Two. I'm here with my wonderful co-host. Uh, 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 fucking content producer Mike DeVore. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Welcome back, Mike, and thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for handling all this, uh, uh all this technical bullshit. <laughs> I, I, to me, it's technical bullshit because I don't know how to do it. But thank you so much. This is awesome. We've really stepped it up, guys. If you're coming in now, you listened to the last episode. How good was that? That was a great episode. And if you're listening to the episodes before that one, holy shit, what happened to this show? What an improvement. We got video. We got sound engineers. We've got double mics. Good lighting. What's good? We're stepping it up in the addictive tickle department. I am excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you guys. We have uh, we have a lot to talk about this episode, and as you guys know, when I say stuff like that, um, I'm usually just uh, lying because I don't I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. And it was <laughs> my What's bad technical technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, we're working out the kinks here, guys. You're not. Yeah, I doubt you're a patron yet. <laughs> Considering we haven't lost our Patreon, it's not like you guys are paying good money for this. Is there a bit of an echo on this mic? I don't think so. No. Are you hearing I, echo? I just can't hear myself very well. Oh, you can't? Uh, Let me just turn up my levels on my on my phones. Is that possible? Let's see. Uh, oh, I'm still struggling. You sound great. But this is not Addictive Tickle with Mike DeVore. Is that better? Hello, check one, two. Oh. A little bit better. Still sounds a little echoey, maybe. Oh. Um, but... What does it sound like to you? How do I? Sound it sounds like everything sounds good to me. Let me trade your headphones. Testing. Can you get? Do you see what I'm saying? Don't I sound like light? Testing, testing. You sound better even in these headphones. Oh really? Let me turn up your vocals. Oh, we're getting there. Oh, we're getting there. Oh, now we're sounding real sexy. And I'm a screamer, too. I'm usually the loudest one. People have to turn down the volume on my microphone. More often than not. Oh, oh, baby. Now we're not not sounding a lot better. What do you think? Sounds good. Let's switch. Let's switch headphones again. We just got ear COVID. Oh, that sweet ear COVID. (laughs) Um, you haven't had COVID. You got vaxxed. I got right, vaxxed. I got vaxxed uh, last Monday, shot number two, and double uh, dosed. I woke up Tuesday morning feeling like, like, oh, this this shot ain't got nothing on me. And then literally an hour later, it all hit me at once. 
like nausea, headaches, body aches, chills. And so I was pretty much out of commission for that entire day for about a day and a half. But do you feel safer? It's, I feel like, it, I don't know if it, it's just, I feel confident. <laughs> this, this music is not, does not make me feel safer. Do you feel safe? I feel really safe. Hey, I'm the only one that sings. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I got, I got excited. I got excited. <laughs> you probably, the thing is, is I can't have anyone else sing on this podcast because literally everyone sings better than me. <laughs> I have a, what has been called um, a horrific singing voice. I've no, been called, hey, what, what's been called tone deaf. You set, you, you're the driver. I'm just here for the ride. All right. So. I got you. I will not sing any more. I already know this show is what's going to happen is you, everyone else I bring on is just going to be immediately become more <laughs> liked and more popular than me. <laughs> How does that make you feel? I, I don't know. I have, I'm excited for them. I'm excited for your guys' future. Thank you. I've already reached my height. We've already climbed Taylor's Mount Rushmore. After Taylor got in, I'm, I also speak to myself in third person. <laughs> That's what's happened with just a little bit of success. Um, but ta- once Taylor got in Thrasher, Taylor could die happy. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just about building up the team. Nice. Let's get it cooking. But you got vaxxed. I got one dose in the arm. I'm a, a, ha- a dose away. Get my second dose in two weeks. And, uh, and then I'm going to New York in May. Nice. That's the big plan. I don't think I told you yet. But uh, yeah, New York in May, we got a show cooking, hopefully on the 18th or 19th at uh, Arrogant uh, in Bushwick, and tickets should be on sale on my website, hopefully within the next week or two, but keep your eyes out, that's going to be really, really, really dope, and I'm going to have an amazing fucking lineup of comics, and then hopefully I'll be all over that town doing spots every night. You haven't been to New York, Mike? I have never been to New York. You want to go? I do want to go. Like, for the longest, my dream was to be on SNL, but then the more I do comedy, the more I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Why? Uh, just like, it just doesn't seem fun. SNL doesn't seem fun? Yeah, like the, the whole writing process, the, uh, like, and also, too, <laughs> I, I don't strive to be an actor anymore. Right. Yeah, so it's like, I don't care about being on camera anymore, even though I'm on camera. But so. if, let's, okay, let's say hypothetically... I get on SNL. Okay. But I need to bring you with me. You come. I'd go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Support. <laughs> yeah, right. Because like to, we'll be the, you know, um, to the Lonely Island, you know, yeah. Addictive Tickle will be to the 2024 SNL, yeah. what Lonely Island was to the, what was that, 2014? Or? To, I would say 2006, 2007. Two th- oh yeah, even earlier. Yeah. Okay. So that's our goal. <laughs> Setting it up to episode two. Is that what you want to do, SNL? Oh, of course. Okay. I would do SNL. I'd be good on SNL, but the uh, what keeps me from wanting to do it, and now why my new goal, this is how how uh, <laughs> this is how egocentric <laughs> and what a megalomaniac I am, is now I'm just like, I'll host. <laughs> when they ask me to host this year, I'll say yes to that. But an audition, I don't know if I can squeeze it in, Mike. Hey, man. It's too busy. <laughs> but I talked to Sam J., and she she's just, awesome. She's amazing. Um, amazing talent. I don't know if she's still there actually, but she was telling me that despite what you might think, SNL is a grueling office job. Yes, I, I believe it. I believe it. And I got out of real estate because I don't want to do an office job. I don't want to be stuck under halogen lights all fucking day. 
Well, regardless I th- of the circumstances. Well, almost. I think a lot of times people like uh, think the grass is always greener in the, on the other side. Like people want to be riders. People want to like do this. People want to do that. But when they when they're actually in the position, it's not as easy as people think it is. Like I was reading. Uh, like, it's not as fantasy. It's not a yeah. Like I, I was. Mean. I was reading a article about like how this uh, or this Twitter thread about these riders that like you know like you have to like make changes like the day of shoot. Where it's like, hey, the actor, like the the main actor, can't come in today because they're feeling sick. So like the writers have to rush and like rewrite like entire scenes. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. It, it it would be high stress and high pressure, and I'm pr- very precious about my material. You know, it took me a long time to get these jokes to work. So to be in a room where everyone's like, not funny change it like we're actually you know we're not going to put it in this week i don't know if emotionally i'm capable of being on the show well here's my thought like why not just do it ourselves why not we control yes (laughs) (laughs) i sound like a confirming police siren coming around the corner yes (laughs) i agree i think that's exactly what we want to do so we do our own sketches we have our own celebrity guests we book our own Kanye's. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's the thing is like Saturday Night Live, it looks like a, bl- it just, the, I guess it, someone described it once as like the Super Bowl of comedy every week. Yeah. You know? or, or they, they, they describe it as like, it's like, it's a sporting event for comedy. It is. And it, I, I've been watching it and I don't know if I've really missed that many episodes, to be honest. Yeah, same like here. in the same entire here. history of SNL, I started uh, my cousin got like the VHS set from like the entire collection back when they put that out in the early nineties or yeah. whatever. It was like an encyclopedia that sat on your shelf. That was like every episode of SNL. And I watched all of them when I was like a, t- a young teenager. And then I just kept up with it since then. Nice. Like every week. Same here. Same here. And I, I, I don't I think really I, like it that much. <laughs> like you don't like the fact that you, uh, like, I don't like the fact that I'm that guy. I don't like the show that much. And, uh, I don't like that fact about me. Really? Not really. Because it's never, cause, cause I am all, I also like to be punk rock. <laughs> And it's so mainstream. I want to be punk rock. It is. It's part of it is just like, I don't like anything. I don't want to be the guy who likes something that popular. Especially in comedy where it's like, oh, so you're in comedy. What kind of comedy are you like? I don't know. Kind of snobby, but SNL mostly. Mostly Saturday Night Live and Jay Leno. Damn. Yeah. Would you not put those in the same category? I wouldn't put Jay Leno in the same category. As I, SNL. All right. What late night host would fit in? Jimmy Fallon, obviously. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the worst. He's he, obviously like a phenomenal talent, but comedically, he leaves so much to be desired. You know, he's a drunk. I've heard. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard from multiple people that you can smell him across the room. People refer to him as like being chained to his desk, like he's like actually like a Manchurian candidate for NBC. <laughs> um, but and even then, same with the like late night hosting spot as just uh, it's almost just like a comedic accomplishment. Like I would imagine, like once you got on the SNL, I don't know if I would be this guy. I can imagine I would be, but I'd get there and I'd be like, "All right, mission accomplished. Where is the exit? <laughs> I made it. I did it. I don't know if I actually want to do the job. I just want to know that I could do it. I just want Lone Marcos to go. Oh, you did it. <laughs> you are part of your part. You're in the team. Yeah. What uh, are, What are your your comedy goals? 
Well, SNL, like we've covered. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would also, I just want to tour. I want to do this uh, tour. My biggest goal really is to be able to maintain this yearly you know, annual tour where I go around and skate during the day and do comedy at night all over the country and the world. Nice. That'd be like my dream lifestyle. Ideally, it's so successful that I can basically invite whoever I want to come with me, be it my family or comics that I want to do comedy with, skaters I want to travel with, bands I want to travel with. Like if I can build it up big enough to just have like that much control, that it can just be the Taylor Clark fantasy tour every that's, year. That's beautiful. That would be like the ultimate dream. And I, for that to be bigger, better, bigger venues, new locations all the time. Right? Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's yeah. beautiful. That's a beautiful dream. Yeah. That's how this kind of all started, baby. I was like, what would be... You You listen to Gary Vanderchuk. Yeah. Gary oh, V. Gary V. Um, he's a monster and a beast. <laughs> but he's right about a lot of stuff. And uh, one of the things I heard him say that was like... Game changey was uh, about just kind of like chasing what you love and not what makes you money, which is terrible advice for some people. Yeah, right. Because um, if you, you know, <laughs> well, let's be let's be honest. Like, if you're a murderer, <laughs> I do want to chase that dream. You're like, well, Gary Vee said, do we love it? Like, I think you're taking the wrong uh, meat <laughs> off this bone. Um, is there right meat on any bone? The point is, my metaphors get <laughs> confused. <laughs> But I started being like, what would be my dream job? It would be uh, skating and doing comedy, yeah. right? And it's a ridiculous dream. It's a job that doesn't exist. So you read a lot of self-help stuff or you like look at that kind of motivational um, content online. You're going to find a lot of these same kind of pillars mm-hmm. that is in Gary Vee. It's in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's in like basically every book on habits. But essentially... Um, you, uh, you create the job you want, right? You find a hole in the market. You find the riches are in the niches, as they say. So I kind of have been doing comedy for long enough that I was able to see, uh, that there had never really been anybody that had talked about being a skateboarder, you know, outside of maybe the off skateboard joke. You know, like, oh, my, you know, my grandma got beat up by a couple of skateboarders or whatever. That's why I like a scooter. (laughs) Classic skateboard. Uh, Asian Asian haters. (laughs) Skaters are Asian haters. It's a common knowledge. No, of course they're not. Skaters are phenomenally wide open, have always been kind of, especially racially. They just were quite homophobic for a long time. That was our big, that was our big, uh, that, that, that's our cross to bear. Okay. Well, at least you guys acknowledge I don't think it. anybody <laughs> used the word gay more often than, uh, <laughs> than at the skate park. There were like gay bars and skate parks. That's where they talked about being gay the most. I think I heard a lot of it on Tony Hawk Pro Skater. There was a lot there of gay, there was a lot of gay bashing. Is there? <laughs> no. Oh no. <laughs> but it would. But like of the ten, that wouldn't be surprising, really. Yeah. Right. If you were skating and someone was like, I, I think actually there's a name of a trick called the gay twist, and that was probably in. There is that definitely is a trick name. They probably renamed it. Um, but. You know, just like a classic example of like homophobia run amok <laughs> within our culture. 
because it was like a not a, the the worst way to do the trick. I forget. I don't even know the whole history. I'm blowing it as a uh, uh, skateboard uh, historian, but do you have it? Did you pull it as up far that as fast? For the, the the thing for gate twist? Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a fake mute 360. Basically, it's a cabalario. Mute is when you grab it with the front hand. Everybody, Ooh. indie grab would be backhand. Backhand on the front side. Yeah, I believe I'm not a big grabber. <laughs> <laughs> That's good in this day and age. Insert Trump joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this day and age, it's you know I don't even grab my board. Hey, there That's you go. How, That's, That's how, how PC I am. <laughs> That's consent. I even get consent from my skateboard before I grab it. <laughs> May I ride you? <laughs> Whether it's front side or back side, I ask my skateboard for consent before I grab my board. On the grip is fine. <laughs> before I grab it by the trucks. Um, so, yeah, so that is what the name of the game. And so it was like a worse way to do the trick. Right? Yeah. Like, like, That's why they called it a gay twist. Yeah. Which is dumb. Which is a terrible homophobic, you know, his, it, it, uh, you know, trick title in our skate history. But on, but, but it's pretty, it's, we've been doing, I think, um, within the fucking mainstream sports, even, let alone like other subcultures i think now skateboarding is doing a pretty progressive job in that department but that's coming from a straight white guy so what the fuck do i know but one of my favorite videos that came out this year was smut by glue glue skateboards Mm. that will go down in history as one of the all-time i think great skate videos of this era definitely groundbreaking it's basically all queer and gay skateboarders Trans and skateboard. It's fucking awesome. I wish I could remember everybody's names. I don't want to embarrass myself, but shout out. Um, but we got a long ways to go, obviously. The whole world does. Um, where are we? How, what, what, what time are we at? We're at 17 minutes. In. 17 minutes. That's doing great. Okay, so this is uh, just some of the... I wanted to talk... We were already kind of digging into this. So I was telling my story a little bit about how this all started. Uh, but I wanted to talk about some uh, some health stuff today. I've been on kind of a health journey for the last couple years, which actually, to bring it around full circle, um, around the time when I got into the Seattle International Comedy Contest, right after that was all over, 2017, I had to kind of turn my life around to prove to my wife that <laughs> I could pursue comedy and not drop the ball as a husband and a father. Um, and at the time, I was kind of smoking a pack a day and drinking a lot um, and eating cheeseburgers and shit all the time. So when I was like, you know what, babe, I think uh, I know we live in my parents and I know my real estate career is just kind of, you know, caved in around us and kind of ruined our lives. But I think I should do comedy full time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's my calling. What do you think? She was, she was like, no. You know, just just straight up like cold, cold, cold stone sober. No, <laughs> you can't do that. We have a fucking kid, and uh, so I was like, "Well, I have no choice." <laughs> I was trying to be nice about it. I was. I was just trying to let you. You know, I was trying to make you feel like like you had like you had to say in this, but I, we're <laughs> yeah, fucked. The decision was already. What I'm made. really telling you is we're fucked. I'm in this for life, and there's nothing you or I could do about it. So here we go. Um, and so what I really had to do was like sober up 
immediately. Quit smoking cigarettes, which was just crippling my lifestyle and my life and my health. And just kind of a pinnacle of bad health, right? Like smoking cigarettes. You, if you're smoking, you're like, you just, there's no way that person's healthy. If, uh, if you, I remember seeing guys standing outside of gyms and stuff like ripped smoking cigarettes and shit. And I was just like, how do you, how do you square that circle? Like it, it, it's such a gnarly fucking addiction that you, uh, you almost feel like you don't have a choice. Similar to how I explained it to com- my wife to, about comedy. Some people have to come to terms with cigarettes like that. I was almost there where you have to be like, well, I'm doing this for life. You know, like I actually just can't quit. That's how I do feel about comedy and skateboarding, actually. But I'm like, okay, but at least uh, I'm not ruining my body. But I mean, honestly, I kind of am. Yeah. I just have to pick. I guess my point is you can only have two gnarly addictions, life crippling addictions. Here on Addictive Tickle, um, we believe in the philosophy that you can only have three crippling addictions. Of course, uh, here mine are skateboarding, comedy, and uh, creating nonsense podcasts. Don't have a choice. These are just three things that are happening. Um, so that's why I had to leave cigarettes at the door, I had to leave alcohol at the door. And I'm in the process of trying to check a bunch of other shit at the door because it just gets crazy with the with the dairy and the sugar and the caffeine and it's like how fuck you they start stacking up pretty quick and then TV to ele- you know entertainment media social media you start piling all these things up and recognizing them as actual addictions and you you know so to be like what the fuck else am I doing <laughs> there's no time for anything else it's pretty much you know from wake to from wake to uh, sleep. It's all addiction, full-time, the whole time. So around that time of uh, Seattle International Comedy Contest, I told my wife I got, I got no choice. And I got this book, The One Thing. That was a big part of it. I got this because of real estate. I, this book, The One Thing, Gary Keller. I want to go on this guy's podcast. Mike, make it happen. Okay, sorry. Um, I'm not going to get into the habit of shouting words at you. But it's going to happen sometimes. Okay, you're not smiling. No, I'm. I'm no, no, it's okay. I'm, no, 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 I'm writing. You're hard the, at work. You're, I'm, I'm writing the note to get you on the podcast. <laughs> okay, good. Um, this is already going to be an interesting dynamic. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not used to having employees. <laughs> I'm just used to being told what to do, partner. And this is a perfect <laughs> dynamic, because then that's how you know I won't take advantage of you. Ah. <laughs> Will I? Um. We're partners. He's, we're, we've, we're, we've negotiated a very healthy split. Yeah. Just so you guys know. There's no indentured slavitude here. Is that sal- slavitude? Slavitude. Yeah, that's a word. It's <laughs> next to gay twist. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, killer slavitude grab. <laughs> it was more of an indie. It, yeah, it's a worse way to do an indie. <laughs> nice, nice keeping up on the, uh, on the titles. I, I figured. I, I got this. I got this, man. On the trick names. Um, so around that time of the contest, uh, I got this book, which kind of framed, and I'm going to reference this book a lot. And if you guys have listened to earlier podcasts, I'm sorry, because I know I've talked about this, but uh, it framed habit building in a, like a really approachable way that got you kind of more excited about, you know, uh, creating better habits in your life. And I worked. 
with uh, basically like 66 day challenges. And if you do something for what the philosophy of this book, and I think, you know, that number doesn't have to be so specific. I like six, six because it's almost satanic. Oh yeah. You know, two thirds of Satan is you know, still better than no Satan. Yeah, exactly. As far as yeah, I'm yeah. Concerned. So healthy dose of Satan. <laughs> right, right. Um, but you don't, you don't take it all the way. <laughs> it's about the process of getting to Satan. So in 66 days, apparently, which I think I've found to actually be very true, uh, if you do something for 66 days in a row, no cheatsies, you will no longer require willpower to do that thing every day anymore. I so believe that, it. Do you believe, believe that? Yeah, yeah. I believe that. It, and if you do one at a time with like a big overarching goal and you know exactly like where to start, what direction, you're kind of going stacking your what they call dominoes of you know habits then uh, then you're always kind of looking forward to the next thing and not like resting in your accomplishment the whole time. And then that way you're you know absorbing the process, which in creativity and when you're an artist, it's really about enjoying the process and not, you know, just looking forward to orgasming over the final product. Yeah, exactly. Right? So that's why I thought this book for comedians, for anybody in the creative process, I think is actually like a very healthy book, even though it's written by like a Christian real estate dude, <laughs> you know, because the big thing they ask you to ask yourself all the time is uh, um, like, uh, if what could I do that or have thereby doing it or having it, everything else in my life would be easy or unnecessary, right? Mm. So when you ask yourself that question, almost everybody goes, money. <laughs> that would make everything easier and necessary. I wouldn't have to work. I wouldn't have to, you know, I could just have all the time in the world to pursue my dreams, right? And then they go, oh, okay. Um, well, how do I get money? <laughs> and then this is why this book is great because it's like real estate. <laughs> you know, it's like a great way to grow your financial portfolio so that you have more time to do whatever you want or whatever your goals are. So I heard that and I was already in real estate and I was like, this business fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't want to be in this business. This, uh, this has been, you know, a treacherous hellscape. And it's full of just miserable, terrible fucking people. The whole industry is full of ex-cons. First off, the first thing you got to know is everyone in real estate is wanted somewhere for something. It's it's insane how consistent that is. But are you looking it up? National average of wanted criminals in real estate with real estate licenses. I'm just making um, a note of ex-con real estate. So I <laughs> it is crazy, but I mean, maybe my entry level in Brooklyn real estate dealing with like Hasidic uh, Jewish guys was maybe gave me a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth for what kind of people work in this industry. But and it's not like I'm not trying to be like anti-Semitic at all. But anyone who has dealt with the Hasidic Jewish community knows that that is a very large cult living in Brooklyn and most of them control your rent. If you live there, like they own an obnoxious amount of real estate. A lot of them can't read English. This is just true. It's true stuff. They can't. A lot of them can't read English because they didn't go to school. They read Hebrew. Um, and the, a lot of the women are completely abused. They, they have to wear wigs. They it's look at it. We'll cover this a lot, probably, because I've been slowly learning more and more since I left Brooklyn about the Hasidic religion. And it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's like a real, you know, it's a real fucking cult, like a Jewish cult in the middle 
uh, of Brooklyn. And uh, anyway, beautiful people. I have some of the, my dearest friends have been Hasidic Jews, and I have dear, dear relationships. You know, relationships I hold dear to my heart with uh, Hasidic uh, men and women who have gotten along with swimmingly. All that being said, those people are also in a cult. <laughs> that means that everyone's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> they're, they're not terrible. I'm not even saying cult members are terrible, but let's call a spade a spade here. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, you guys have, they, you know, uh, dozens of children. They don't do vaccinations. They um, they wear wigs. Uh, they ha- they're forced to shave their heads. The women are forced to shave their head, wear wigs. They basically have almost, you know, very little rights compared to a normal American citizen. And uh, it's shameful to me, to me. And they're very, very racist, very homophobic. Okay, so these, I'm not, and this isn't everybody, of course, but this an absurd amount. <laughs> So uh, the Hasidic Jews were the original skateboarders. They, yeah, <laughs> they they were they were a bad lease. They called a gay lease. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like a front side lease <laughs> with a clause about melon grabs. Um, so. I worked with these guys a lot. Where was I going with all this? Oh, working in real estate. That that was my entry level. It was like, okay, so this is the industry. It's like 50% Hasids and then um, and then everybody else, right? I loved real estate because I loved working with people. I loved finding people homes to a degree. You know, there was enjoyable factors within the process. But overall... You know, I didn't like looking at people as if they were fucking dollar signs. And this is what real estate really does to you. And some sales job, but specifically real estate, because you have to treat everyone like a lead. Like that is how you become successful Mm. as a real estate agent, especially if you got to treat everyone like a lead. Now, no matter how you proceed in that, (laughs) in that, uh, on that lane, in that path, no matter how you go, you're going to treat people differently than you would if they weren't a lead, <laughs> you know? So you just start looking at people as, as dollar signs. And it, I did it for 10 years. I'd like to think I was one of the good guys, but at the end of the day, no matter how good of a friend you are, no matter what I think of you, if I hear you whispering about the fact that you're moving this month and you got a good budget and good credit, I'm trying to rent you an apartment. I'm trying to sell you a house. Every real estate agent knows what I'm fucking talking about. Now, I know not all of you are monsters. I know not all of you Hasids are, are racist, you know, culty homophobes, but some of you are. And real estate agents, almost all of you are trying to get leads. That is the number one job. And the point is, it is a really good way to make money, to build your finances up, is to do real estate. As an agent, sure, if you can do it really good, but it is a very committed job, you're working tons of hours, and if you do it right, you follow a good process, for sure, you can get rich quick. And um, if you have a good moral compass, you can do it without being a bad person at all. Very possible. It is fucking rare. You know, eventually you're going to just 
hide a little detail, move a number here. Not, I don't even know. I, I never even did any of that. It's more about just like, I mean, I know that the air conditioner is broken. And as long as nobody asks about it, <laughs> you know, I didn't lie to anybody. And that might be the difference between whether or not I like feed my kid this month. Right. So there's always going to be a little bit of dodginess within the process. And that might be any sales job, but with real estate, you're dealing with people's like lives and homes and stuff. And that kind of weight became really, really hard on me once I started doing sales, like trying to sell houses, because you're like, this isn't just like a year lease to some college kid, right? Where you're like, I mean, you know, you're not going to find better than this. <laughs> like, you're going to have to just like make a move on one of these apartments or not. Air conditioner, schmear conditioner. Like, you know, it's a year. It's not, it, it, it's not as big of a burden than if you were going to make essentially that same decision for someone's like $500,000 mortgage. Mm. It's a huge, I was just like, I don't know. I never ended up selling one house and it wasn't because I don't trust myself or anything. It was just because once I started to process what it's going to be like to tr do many transactions a month and in when i was doing new york real estate renting apartments i would do like 15 transactions a month sometimes like rent like 15 apartments now the process of renting apartment and the process of like selling house is almost identical like there is very otherwise there's a mortgage broker involved and a home inspector involved but other than that like you're filling out paperwork, you're looking at properties and you're signing, signing documents at the end. You know, it's just the difference is like how much money is being, uh, is being transferred and like the amount of responsibility involved in any one of those engagements. So what I'm saying is I was like, fuck this. <laughs> My one thing is going to be comedy. <laughs> And I don't give a fuck if I did all of the same stuff I was about to do for real estate for comedy, I would be like successful in comedy. So that's what I started doing. Treating it like a job, just writing every day, trying to get booked, trying to treat it better than I did before. But I didn't happen overnight, Mike. It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> you know, I know. You were pretty much there. I met you in 2017 when I did the contest, right? No, I think... 18, year you moved? I moved up here in 2019, but I was uh, I was doing a book, uh, like a tour of shows in the Pacific Northwest like 2018. Okay, okay, okay. So we might have like done a show together, but I don't think we really like hit it off until I moved up here. Right, yeah. You came passing through. Yeah. That's right. Oh, we go way back. So... Um, I'm trying to remember just kind of where I was in this process when you met me, but I think I was like, I just quit drinking, essentially. Okay. Yeah, because I was, after that contest, and this is why that book made me feel confident in like, being like, oh, I think I'll be fine. I'll, I will eventually be a professional stand-up comic. One, because I have no choice. I'm an addict. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> we have three addictions, and this was one. So I did comedy full-time, knowing that it might take forever <laughs> and knowing that like my level of what professional stand-up comedy meant, like where I put that bar had to be very low <laughs> so that I could know that like, as long as I get there, I will be able to like maintain a degree of satisfaction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not even like happiness, but just like <laughs> satisfaction. And that really is just like enjoying the stage time, doing pretty good shows and making what, some people might call a living. 
you know, just like, that's it. That's all I just, as long as I can get to there, we'll be able to like build as a foundation. We'll always be able to build on there. And I knew I was stacking habits in a healthy way. So that I was like, you know, if I get there, I can stack more healthy habits on top of that. I can build hopefully on top of that and so on and so forth. Lining up the dominoes, as they say. Um, they use that metaphor, the dominoes in the book. I actually have them drawn right there, but like, uh, um, we'll take a photo of it yeah. or something, but I, um, basically knew that like my first domino had to be smoking and they say, if you, whatever the first domino is, will knock over another domino, like 50% bigger than the original domino. So you basically can knock over a domino twice the size. So whatever your first habit is that you wanted, you want to stack essentially, um, will knock over another habit that is as twice as, you know, hard or like twice as big or would do twice as much damage to the overall dominoes. <laughs> I might be losing it a little bit here. Um, but I knew that if I quit smoking and quit drinking and uh, it started eating healthy and focused on my health, that like the rest of it would be easier. So I wasn't going to be like, well, I need a YouTube channel and I need a podcast and I need to do all of these things right now because I'm a professional comedian going full time. I was like, no, I just need to maintain the current habits that I have, which is like going up a lot, writing as much as I can and uh, and uh, performing. We're essentially just keep going up, performing, trying to get booked, which of little of I did any effort of ever in my entire career of trying to get booked, which is I think 90% of the job as I've, <laughs> I've moved forward in this industry. Most of it is just begging for work. Yep. Um, <laughs> and it's all who's better at begging, you know, and whose work is more, you know, the, the least toxic, <laughs> like so. It's which whoever you're begging has to look at all the other people who are begging and go. This one makes me feel the least bad, <laughs> and that's the one they choose. So make the people you're begging for work feel the least bad <laughs> about booking you, and you'll go further than if you didn't beg for work. That's it. That's a big lesson. But that I'm only saying that because <clears throat> I knew I had to like quit smoking, quit drinking. And, uh, and the drinking thing was really just because I was like, I'm going to be out every night. I can't have like, I tried with the special occasions thing at first. And I was like, the, the definition of special occasions gets real loose after the first couple of special occasions. You're like, well, it's somebody's birthday, you know, eventually. <laughs> so I had to just like cut it out completely. And, uh, and I still smoked weed. So I was like, I've got a intoxicating vice, you know, to deal with one of three, right? Yeah. We're stacking them up. Skateboarding, quick. skateboarding, weed. comedy, weed, caffeine, <laughs> podcasting. And heroin. And, oh, and my, my, my little my little heroin addiction that I've been <laughs> nursing in the corner. Spoiler alert. Um, I'm, I'm a junkie. So, oh, God, these poor fucking junkies. Yeah. Oh, man, I've lost some people. Oh, I've lost some people. Oh, I can't make this funny, sad. Cut it out. Cut that whole part out. I'm joking. Leave it in. I've lost a friend or two to heroin. I've never jumped on it myself. But it looks tempting and I might try it. Hey, hand me that needle off the shelf. Okay. <laughs> um, off the rails. What was I saying? Um, 
I've got my addictions. I had to focus on my health. I did tobacco. I did alcohol. And then um, I did my diet. And it was in the process of like over the course of like 66 days at a time. I did quit smoking several times. Not a full quit, obviously, when this all started. Excuse me. And I have relapsed on on tobacco. It is the gnarliest fucking addiction. It's right up there with heroin. I mean, they put them next to each other. And it's because it feels like hunger. It feels like something you need. Like you can't live without it. It triggers those same, you know, uh, signals in your brain that hunger triggers. And that's why it's such an insanely hard addiction. And with tobacco or nicotine... It's awesome because you get to satisfy that whenever you want. Like it's like being a heroin addict that can just like live with a needle in their arm all the time. It's fa- it's wonderful, but it's uh it's really bad for you. And it smells and obviously there's many a more con to smoking than that. But as an addiction, it's the best one. Um pardon. <laughs> That being said, I knew I had to get it out of my life because I just felt I couldn't move forward with anything else until I really did that. So I had been smoking, but I used the easy way to stop smoking, which is very similar to one thing in in the way that you like create a permanence around the thing you're trying to do. And that was what the easy way to quit smoking did is it's like this guy reads the whole book is a British dude. And you hear this guy's voice in your head all the time being like, why do you want that cigarette? That nasty, nasty cigarette. That is going to be the death of me, and I know I don't want one, but here I am, lighting one up again. Oh, what a disgusting pig I am. If you listen to the book on audio, that was a fucking spot on. I impressed myself very much. I was like, I think that's him in my ears. Um, but you hear that guy in your voice the whole time and <clears throat> you start to hear him every time you smoke. You're like, what a disgusting pig I am smoking yet another cigarette, despite everything I know about the health consequences and the draining of my wallet. It will do. <laughs> I should just do the whole podcast. Just, like do that, that guy. just do that. Just do that. So that's when I decided I would focus on skateboarding, stand up comedy <laughs> and playing silly little piano tunes in my garage. Um, so I quit smoking and then I used the one thing to really quit drinking to where I was just like, just do 66 days, no alcohol. And I was already kind of in the process of quitting smoking. So I did both things, but really the knowing like what my big goal was to be like a professional comic that wanted to essentially do theaters that was like they say set it really set your goal really really big and then set your habit really really small like your day-to-day what you're trying to do so i was like all right if i want to do theaters i gotta start small create healthy habits and it was exciting to try to keep stacking them because i was like this leads to theaters (laughs) you know and so after that it became more about getting booked and then i was like every day send like one email or not even that. Like if I I would be like, write down one booker you want to talk to or like send one Facebook message to someone about a show, but like put a 
concentrated effort into trying to find work for one half a second a day, like setting it really, really small. And then with the goal of like, eventually I spend like two and a half hours doing this. I don't even have to think about it because it's just something I do and I just have to keep up with it. And that's kind of where it got to right before COVID, of course. I have to start start that whole process over again. But do you, but you started doing that too, right? I, I've I, talked to you about this. Yeah, I did that like a, early on as far as getting booked and everything. So like uh, I, I I cold emailed a lot early on. And like, you got that habit early. Yeah. Good yeah. for you. And then I also like and I also just uh, I, I became sober when I started comedy too. When you started doing comedy, yeah. Did you in the um, secret in secret San- society? Not in secret society, <laughs> but like uh, in San Diego, like uh, I, I was like uh, I, I was in the Navy at the time and I was just hating life. So I was just like, all right, let me clean up some of my act. And like, so I stopped drinking and uh, I just started comedy and I just been sober since. Well, good for you, man. That's you. awesome. I didn't know you were sober too. Yeah. And you don't smoke weed either. Uh, not anymore. No, no, no. Good for you. Um, that I, just, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to put that one on my like list of like never do it again. But I would like to pull back. Eh, but hey, just take a little bit at a time. One it's, step at a time. That's what we're that, talking set about. That here, right? <laughs> yeah, set that domino. That domino is fourteen dominoes away. I have fourteen <laughs> other habits I want to stack before I get to uh, don't smoke weed as much. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, I'll get there. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So when you already had that habit, I'd been doing comedy for well over a decade by the time I was like, I should start trying to get work. <laughs> Cause all I really cared about was like the joke, like, like just like get this fucking joke better. And I would produce shows all the time because honestly producing a show to me was easier than trying to get booked all the time. Like trying to like message and, and beg for work. I just never re- fucking found it very comfortable asking for stage time and a lot of that mike was because i didn't think i was that good so it's a lot harder to ask people for work when you're like, <laughs> like we, we I, won't, I won't ruin your show <laughs> like that, I, I think, that was the energy i came out every booker like please i promise not to blow it too bad <laughs> i won't shit the bed all the way through the blankets and, I, and often I would. <laughs> I'd make promises like that and show up and the blankets would be ruined. Um, <laughs> the amount of bed shitting I do. So um, that was a big part of it. And it, something happened after the contest, which is just like having one credit, one nod from show business, one little, you know, <laughs> like one little slugger punch on the shoulder from old, you know, daddy showbiz. Old fuck daddy showbiz. <laughs> And I, that's from an earlier episode. Shout out to anyone who heard that fucking reference. The uh, <laughs> um, it felt really good. So that's when I was like, okay, I can ask for shit. You yep. know, I was like, I can ask somebody, be like, hey, look, I was at this contest. I did pretty good. Like, come on, like, what's up with that ten minute spot on your alt show in the cafe or whatever? And in Seattle, obviously, just a smaller pond than I was used to in New York. So. You, I have, you know, I got more, and with the credit, obviously, that helped, but getting a lot more yeses than I was used to, getting asked to do a lot more shows. So it was the first time I was getting booked where I didn't produce a show, and the people I booked would just feel bad for me and let me on their show. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's at least what it felt like most of the time. I would ask, I would like put an effort throughout the 10 years I fucking did comedy in New York getting on shows, but it was a fucking roller coaster. Um, and when I got here, I did the contest. I was finally getting healthy. 
this is like now like four or five months into 2018 is when uh, I was pretty much back to like a fully plant-based diet <clears throat> and I was not smoking, I was not drinking, and I was waking up early and like hella focused on renting apartments in New York remotely because that was like my day job while I was like trying to get my comedy stuff going. And then Karina went back to work <laughs> like at first like fucking cleaning houses and shit on TaskRabbit. Keep in mind, my wife is an NYU grad uh, on a scholarship. She went to uh she went to nyu for theater graduated it with it with tish and uh speaks fucking three languages working on her fourth and is just an amazing amazing talent she shouldn't be cleaning houses and it and uh it was kind of my fault a little bit no we were a team we we totally we were a team we worked on this real estate company together when we moved here and uh And uh, we were full partners. She was doing a majority of the heavy lifting, honestly, for that business. And so when it caved in, um, she kind of had to just figure out what she wanted to do again. And, you know, I kind of had figured out what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to get there. And we were living at my parents' house broke. I mean, fucking broke, dude. Like, we drained our life savings trying to start this real estate business. And it fucking did not work out. So... Um, <laughs> so when she was cleaning houses and I was running apartments remotely in New York, just sending out leads, just trying to have people call me and they'd be, I'd be like a three hour time difference. And I'd be talking to them about cool things to do in fucking park slope. And I'd have to have one of my uh, friends go meet them in park slope, show them an apartment that they wouldn't take, you know, <laughs> for, for like, man, like six or seven months I was wow. doing that. Um, and, and it was like barely just for like a couple of grand a month. Like if I was lucky, if it was like a good month, cause I had to split every deal with the agents I was sending the leads to and then close them remotely. Um, uh, because I, I'm the only one that knows how to do this job. Um, but no, I worked with great people. They, uh, a lot of them don't work there anymore. Thank God. Fuck real estate. So <laughs> real estate. I finally, um, was started making enough doing comedy through following these processes and lining up this do- these dominoes that I was like, okay, now I actually don't need that side job renting apartments in New York. I can just fill the gaps with anything. I didn't need less money, so I started driving for Uber Eats. Yeah. And I just started, I was featuring a little bit more. I was actually getting booked. I was lining up a lot of work. And then over that year while I was driving for uber eats i kept stacking all of these habits because i was like oh i've always wanted oh dude the the miracle morning that was the other big thing <clears throat> so <clears throat> sorry <laughs> sorry i'm just, i i started smoking again <laughs> it's not true um <laughs> i um what happened was i what happened was i was doing a really good job not drinking, not smoking, building healthy habits uh, with health, with eating healthy. And then I started to add things like skateboarding back in like as regularly as possible because it would like, I would like legitimately notice pockets of depression <laughs> and I would backtrack to like what was going on during those pockets of depression. And it's like, wh- why was I depressed? I don't know. I was living at my parents chasing a fucking comedy dream at 35 years old with a wife and kid in a, in a farmhouse. 
in the middle of the Northwest Swamp. So there were other reasons that I was depressed, but when I would look really take a hard look back at those times, it was because I wasn't skating. So would I skip days or weeks of no skating because skating is essentially like my fucking right leg at this point where it's like if I'm not doing it, it's like legitimately feel like something's missing in my life and I'm walking with a limp and I don't know why. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I fucking haven't, you know, been in touch with my entire childhood and you know half my personality (laughs) in a couple of weeks so i just made it a point very much like i would quit smoking or anything else to just make sure i skated regularly and when that started happening the exercise and all that stuff took on a completely new level because at this point i was like you know, waking taking cold showers for two minutes a day and like doing pushups all the time and, and, uh, and all of this stuff kind of just for the, just cause I knew it was good for my body. And then once I added skating back in, it became focused like, Oh no, no, I have to do these things so I can skate. And I started doing all of my exercises kind of focused on, uh, Um, on the specific injuries and stuff that I have or even like areas of my body that I think are keeping me from being able to do like certain tricks better and shit like that. So I've been like, you know, biohacking my body to be like a better old man skateboarder, you know? And, uh, And it just started, you know, just started working in that, like, I wasn't getting hurt as often and I was uh, landing more tricks more consistently. And the tricks I was also trying weren't trying to, I wasn't trying to break new ground necessarily. I was just trying to, like, essentially get basic tricks better and um, just land more tricks more often. Not the way I skate usually. Most of the time I warm up and then I spend the next six hours screaming at myself because I can't learn the hardest trick in the world. <laughs> it's a really tough process. Um, so because of that, while I was driving for Uber Eats, I was reading audiobooks all the time and I and listening to a million podcasts. And then I just started spending the entire time listening to audiobooks, which would then lead me to go like buying more books and like reading a lot more often and stuff. And the Miracle Morning was a book I found through the One Thing podcast, Hal L not what's the Scientology guy's name? L. Ron Hubbard. Not L. Ron Hubbard. Hal Elrod, I believe is his name. I know it's it's basically the same name. Is it is it the same person? <laughs> it, it has to be. If I know anything about Scientology, don't they aren't they reincarnated yeah, alien much, spirits yeah. or whatever? Yeah. So it is the same guy. Um L. Ron Hubbard also wrote this book, which is I do believe in, <laughs> called Um The Miracle Morning. And I think this guy's religious too, but I'll I'll um because he uses the word miracle. Oh yeah, I think he talks anyway. Regardless, that's the wrong way to say it, right? Regardless of anything I've said so far, um, I read this book. God, this is a real clunky (laughs) segment so far. (laughs) Um, I read this book, The Miracle Morning, which set up basically like seven things in a row that you could do every single morning that would essentially like increase your effect is effectiveness, your productivity, your overall satisfaction and happiness and stuff like that. So I didn't even, honestly, I'll be honest. I never read this book. I heard him on a podcast say these things and I was basically all I needed to hear. I was like, <laughs> that makes 
perfect sense. I don't need to read any of more of this book to understand why it would be a good idea to like put these things like front load my front load my day with these things. So it was basically the morning savers, um, which is <clears throat> it's like uh, the S is for silence meditation. The A is for affirmations. You know, same positive things. Do you have any affirmations, Mike? Uh, sorry, say again. Do you, <sighs> will you fucking listen? <laughs> I, the one time I'm not listening, you you ask me a question. <laughs> you ask me about affirmations. Do I have any? All right, let's bring it back down. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Get a little more peaceful. All right, here we go. We're talking about our miracle mornings. The S is for silence. The A is for affirmations. Mike. Do you have any affirmations? I do. Oh, can I hear one? Yeah, just uh, that I am enough. Well, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have a long way to go myself, but <laughs> I like it. I like aff- I like that I am enough. That's very Stuart Smalley. I'm good enough. I'm proud enough. And gosh darn it, people rape me. I mean, like me. <laughs> Um, I do affirmations that are more like, I'm, <laughs> I host SNL <laughs> this weekend. Okay. <laughs> no, no, my, <laughs> no, that would be awful. My affirmations are similar. I'm one with everything. I, you know, I have, uh, you know, love and happiness reign <laughs> through my body. These aren't, these aren't real. I'm not going to tell you my goddamn affirmations. <laughs> I'm not going to be that vulnerable. What no, a loser this dude is. Put it out there. Like I put out my, uh. <laughs> I put it, I put it on my affirmations before. Did you? Yeah. I have things. Uh, my time is wisely invested. I like that one. I've been using that one. Okay. I also say things that I don't think are true yet. This is what I think is important. <laughs> it, it, when, when I say things, these kind of affirmations, it does make me more likely to spend my time effectively, especially in the beginning of the day. You know, where I like write down, they're almost like goals. Uh, I wrote purpose, meaning, and significance equal a successful life. What else I got here? Um, Oh, this one's good. My family is bringing itself extreme joy through the power of positivity and love. I hate my family. (laughs) (laughs) Many of them I I wish this upon. I... (laughs) I also, at the back of my journal, I have a list of curses that I read. <laughs> list of names that I curse every night before I go to bed. But I do my uh, silence, which is meditation, and A, affirmations, and then V, visualization, which is really just planning, goal charting, calendars, organization, let's call it. That's the V. And then E is exercise. Add a little exercise after that V. And then the E is exercise. We already covered that. I should add memory. It should be savers. Um, after the E is R, which is reading. Right? Just do a little reading each morning. That'll make you better. And then the last one, S, scribing. Now, this is a stretch. It, re- it means writing, but <laughs> saver would be ineffective and not as fun to say. So, um, I started doing that. I already had a couple of them. 
Um, I had kind of been meditating, but not like strategically. And affirmations were new to me, but that seemed pretty easy. And then the V visualization, that was like, oh yeah, let's get into this. That was like a comedy, uh, you know, uh, that was like, com- oh, I'm trying to figure out the, uh, the, it made, it made perfect sense to include a habit like that as a comedian where I have, a, the whole idea is like filling your calendar yeah. and having a, like a schedule and like looking like a year out and stuff like that sometimes, which I had never done. I could barely like look six hours in front of me most of my life. So to have like a, a, a year calendar that I was like legitimately looking at with like any kind of realism, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, these aren't just goals, but like actually like what, you know, can I get shows in Tampa when I go there with my wife? You know what I mean? Like really look at this and plan ahead so that like you have spots really not even like paid gigs, dude, like spots, you know what I mean? Because we just want to get up at the end of the day. We I'll get paid. Like uh, was it Bo Diddley was like, I'll get paid to travel. Um, I do the shows for free, right? Yeah. So that's how it feels. I just want spots and the better the spot, the, you know, the better my comedy gets, right? So the SAA, the V, and then when I got to the V, I was like, oh, this is just going to help me get booked more if I just, this was going to be where I put that every day. Not like, oh, I'm going to email bookers every morning, but actually like I'm going to write down like, uh, who are the bookers I want to talk to? Like just as I'm looking at my calendar, like, Oh, it would be cool. This is the show. This, I have this Wednesday open. What are shows on Wednesdays in February? And then like, maybe I go, you know, fucking two towns over for that show. Or maybe I go to Portland cause I have three days in a row that I don't have spots. And then pretty soon you're like, fuck man, I'm getting booked. <laughs> you got spots. You got a full calendar. And that was all because I like spent five minutes looking at a calendar every morning. You know what I mean? So, um, and then the scribing at the end the ER, so I already had the E cause I was exercising every day. Um, and then I added the reading, which I wasn't doing. I wasn't, I haven't been a big reader since I was in fucking elementary school. So just having a book that I would like kind of read a few pages from like each morning was like huge because even if you only read like a few pages, um, a day, like you read a book a month, you know, like that's, I was reading 12 more books a year than I, than I was before. So it, all of this stuff, all I'm getting to is it uh, created insane value to my comedy career and just my, my, uh, yeah, my overall contentment, you know, and it wasn't because it was, I was getting booked at like fucking casinos. You know what I mean? Like who gives a shit? It's not like, but they were, I was getting spots. Like I was going up all the time. You know, it was still better than I had better comedy than I had ever done. And I was getting up more than I'd ever gotten up before in my life. And I lived in New York city where you could get up four or five times a night, but you would get like, you know, Let's just, if you wanted to put numbers on it, you'd get like $2 of value from going up five times at five open mics uh, in New York, followed by like maybe one book show at the end of the night that had like 15 people. And this would be someone who's like hustling. Like this is like a TV credit lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Where you still like in TV credit people in New York, still a lot of them anyway, do open mics still, you know, because you're like, fuck, it's five o'clock. 
there's a stage. I want to go work out this joke and I have three book shows tonight. So why not? Right. Yeah. There's less of an, I've, I've found in my time in LA and New York that like, that is a big difference where I'm like LA comics. Once you start getting booked regularly, open mics go away. I don't think that's as true in New York, but irregardless, um, <laughs> irregardless, really, um, I hate when people use literally <laughs> the wrong way and I, and I'm also guilty of doing it. Where was I going? Saver, savers, uh, savers, scribing. Oh, that was right. So I was, uh, started reading, um, more often. And then because of the S at the end, I started writing free freestyle writing like free form like stream of consciousness yeah, style yeah. writing like <laughs> freestyle free, like eminem you, you, yeah even freestyle i write bars. my freestyles <laughs> i don't think that's freestyle taylor <laughs> um i started writing all the time and that was crazy and then i started writing in cursive i don't know if you notice like i write in cursive now my regular handwriting is garbage <laughs> but then i like actually write in cursive pretty well because i've been doing these morning pages like uh from uh the artist's way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I do the same thing. So I was doing this, um, the freestyle writing, freeform writing, the Eminem writing before I read the artist's way. And then I listened to the artist's way while I was doing Uber Eats. And I was like, it's just like all of these things kind of line come, up. Come you know, together. I was talking yeah. about it where I was like, man, I'm starting to notice like all of these really, you know, solid foundational things throughout like, the artist way even which i'm like this isn't like a self-help book but it kind of is yeah you know like if you're an artist and that's why it was so cool to like pair the artist way with like the one thing which is almost you know just like this essentially like a real estate book and then the miracle morning which is like written by a guy who sold fucking cutco knives right yeah. like like <laughs> these worlds and then I was reading like the Norm Macdonald book at the same time. Have you read that? Uh-uh. Oh my God. It's the one of the, it's legitimately one of the best books I've ever read. It is so funny. Um, and, but it's a, it's like a fiction. It's like a story that's not true, but it is true. He writes, he's like half of it takes place. He's like on a fucking drug bender with Adam Egan going through <laughs> Las Vegas and like losing all his money gambling and stuff, which some of that is true and then some of it's not. But it's amazingly well written, and uh, but I was comparing like I was looking at his comedy career. This guy I, I consider to be maybe like one of the all-time best, greatest comics of all time, and uh, and kind of wondering like what his habits are, you know, and how he got to where he's kind at. of yeah to be just such an amazing artist outside of how he became successful. Like he's just as an artist, he's and he actually I think famously says comedy is not an art it's a craft wow but i actually consider him to be one of the greatest comedic artists i've ever you know uh i've ever witnessed because of how defined his voice is and how casually funny he is but being but at the same time being so obviously thoughtful you know like he's very well thought out and articulate and the moments are, you know, um, the moment, the best moments of Norm Macdonald's comedy aren't like incredibly defined, you know? And as I was reading the artist way and then like reading Norm Macdonald's book and then like going down the like Norm Macdonald rabbit holes and stuff of his comedy online, 
you start to see that he probably does follow so much of those that process. Like I'm sure this guy, uh, you know, does his pages. I'm sure he reads and writes like every fucking day. Yeah. You know, um, and so it just it just made it was really confirming. So from all of these different sources I was consuming. It was all confirming that like, even though I was like dr- delivering Chinese food to college kids in the U district, I was like, I think I'm on the right path. It, 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 yeah. You're absolutely right. Like it, it's kind of, I'm kind of similar that way where like everything that I've consumed, including the artist way, like makes me feel like as long as I'm trusting my creative process, I feel everything's falling into place. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because you can on the out on the surface, it might seem like you're a complete fucking loser, right? Like I'm talking about me. I'm driving. Yeah, no, Uber, sorry. Uh, no, no, you're right. I am a complete <laughs> single, fucking single tear. <laughs> um, no, I'm. I'm looking at the surface level. I'm like, here I am, 36 years old. I lived in New York for fucking 10 years. I just tanked a real estate company. Um, I live in my parents' house. I'm driving for fucking Uber Eats. I'm halfway up a flight of stairs to take a two Big Macs to a, a fucking six-year-old who got his mom's phone. You know, it happens all the time. And um, <laughs> and I think this is where I'm supposed to be right now. I yeah. think this is exactly what's supposed to be happening. Yep. And uh, if I just keep on track and follow the process, do my Miracle Morning, keep stacking these dominoes, like eventually the big one will knock over and then like who fucking knows what the next domino is after that. Yeah. And so by having like a gigantic vision of, uh, of what I wanted to do with this kind of skateboarding comedy <laughs> brand that I've built, it, um, it really just helped me get through those fucking shitty two flight McDonald's deliveries, yeah. you know, because I was like, this leads to somewhere. It's just like smoking cigarettes where it was like the first week is insane. It, you can f- feel the nicotine dripping out of your body in those first couple of days. And it on paper is miserable. But when you're looking forward to like what it's going to be like to ha- never think about cigarettes anymore to be like completely free of that slavery it makes that whole week kind of fly by right and so because i was like eventually i'm going to be on the road skating all day and then just running to do awesome shows at night in wherever i want to go in the world um I, whatever, however many more Big Macs I have to deliver is however many fucking more Big Macs I have to deliver because who gives a fuck? Eventually I'll be like living the dream, right? Yeah. It's in, But it's my dream. It's not like fancy airplanes or, you know, fucking uh, wild whores all over the place. It's really just about what I think I want, you know, what I want. And so much of this was came to a head uh, at the perfect time because I got, I doubled down on real estate when my wife got pregnant. You know what I mean? It was like comedy was not, not happening for me in New York pretty much at all. Like I ran some fun shows. Like I had a lot of amazing acquaintances and friends and, um, had so many amazing experience, no fucking regrets, but no credits, no management, um, no direction. Honestly, I didn't even know what I wanted really in comedy. I had dreams and, fa- but they were really fantasies. There weren't goals. If there were fantasies, yeah. I had no idea how I was going to get there outside of like kind of just hoping I would get that lucky invite to the, 
SNL party or something, and someone will be like, "Hey, you should audition." I, I saw you at an open mic. Show business works. What? I saw you at an open mic once. Hey, get over here. Um, I, I work for CCAA or whatever. Um, obviously, none of that happened because I was clueless and dumb and drunk. But <laughs> um, the point is, it wasn't hard for me at that point to go. I, I I already am in the real estate business. Like a lot of people in my situation, 30 years old with a pregnant wife, would be very grateful to have a job with an income that was as controllable as it is when you're in real estate. Um, it's stressful because it's all commission. You don't close. You don't get paid. Nobody eats. But, you know, if you close a lot, everybody eats too much. So we stacked. I stopped doing comedy. I stopped skating as much. I still tried to entertain those fantasies, but it was pretty obvious that I wasn't ever going pro for skating and I wasn't going to get on David Letterman in the next six months. And he was still on the air back then, not to date myself, but it was, you know, it was pretty much a non-starter. I didn't need to have that conversation with my wife. Like, Hey, I know you're pregnant, but I really think, um, something's about to happen for me here. Um, I didn't even think to have that conversation. Plus, we still lived in New York where I was like, yeah, I could do real estate. I'll still be popping around to shows. I didn't really know how epically uh, different my life was going to be after becoming a dad. But once he got here and I was working full time renting apartments and stuff, I, you know, just committed full hard, full on to that lifestyle of just being a New York fucking <laughs> real estate agent. And, uh, did provide for my family. So I was like, put on that, that responsibility cap. It fit. I wore it. Well, I, you know, maintained almost three years in New York cities, uh, supporting my family in the most expensive city in the world. And we upgraded lifestyles. Eventually we got a bigger apartment. We got a, a car, it was all right, you know, but we eventually were like, if we're not going to do comedy and theater, then what the fuck are we doing in New York? We do real estate anywhere. So if we're going to do real estate, why don't we go somewhere where like, we'll actually feel like we have money because <laughs> yeah. we were making decent money in New York and still felt poor, you know? Um, and so that's kind of where it all started. So when, <clears throat> um, but I had no enjoyment of the process because I had no dream, right? Like it was just money essentially, right? Like I wasn't like, oh man, I really want to start a real estate business because I just, am, I just love being a leader, you know? <laughs> I just love selling houses. I just love, I just love giving people their first opportunity to be a home buyer, you know? Yeah. And you will hear the amount of times you hear that fucking garbage coming out of people's mouth in real estate what, you have to get out of it to appreciate how insanely stupid that is. Because <laughs> no, you don't. Then do it for free. There's a homeless problem. That's funny. <laughs> if you fucking love it so much, there's fucking people literally with no homes, and all they need is one person to just kind of help them. And what are you? You're so good at it. You love doing it. Well, you will really love giving fucking Cracky Joe over here a fucking home. He needs it way more than Tabitha. Tabitha has $500,000 in the bank. In the bank, she's got a half mil. And you want, oh, I love helping Tabitha. You don't. You want a fucking easy road at that fucking chunk out of that half mil, you slimy bastard. Just own it, at least. Don't tell me you love Tabitha helping her find a stupid home. Tabitha's a racist. <laughs> Tabitha, Tabitha... 
Tabitha used to fucking uh, abuse your dog. <laughs> you don't want to like Tabitha. Cracky Joe did nothing. He he was given the birth name Cracky. You don't you don't you don't have a good path to success with a name like Cracky Joe. He needs a home. You go help him find a home. You love helping people find homes so much. You fucking lying slimy bastard. Uh, <laughs> that's my. That's all I'm saying. So, well, I I came to fucking full fully came to terms with what I was doing in real estate, what the industry was. It it timed out perfectly with me uh, getting my first ounce of success in comedy. Which then, um, luckily, I think because I had all of these books and stuff, gave me enough of a foundation that when I got to this point in my career, which is now essentially the first mainstream credit I've ever had, which is this Thrasher interview, um, I have the foundation and like the new habits already kind of stacked up waiting for me. 14 down the row is weed. Um, and so I'm not feeling panicked or overwhelmed by uh, these opportunities. And I think that's why I was also able to like line up management. Did I talk about management last episode? You, 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 you briefly, talk, you briefly. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'm not going to talk about it much this time, but that's like the, the thrasher led to the, uh, to the management and which honestly, when I was plotting this all out like a couple years ago, this is what takes it from being like a goal and a dream, d- the difference between a fantasy, right? Because like when you p- build something really big, like I want to tour being a skateboarding comedian and you build backwards from there, you start to line up these ideas anyway for how that would work. Like, and if you're honest and realistic about it, at least how I approached it was trying to be as like self-aware as I could be. And I think being a little bit like a, pessimistic and um self-deprecating like really worked to my advantage because i was like well i'm you know i'm a nobody i'm a nothing (laughs) nobody likes me so just approach everything (laughs) with that and it was like uh rejection doesn't you know you doesn't phase you at all because you're like of course (laughs) every time someone says no or this isn't good you're like i of course uh uh-huh like i agree not gonna fight you on this I'll take it from I'll take it from here. <laughs> and then you go to the next person, and if they don't say that, you're like, "Holy shit!" You're just so excited that so someone didn't tell you to go fuck yourself. It all feels like they all feel like wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. I um I got the threat, so I lo- I was working my way backwards when I came up with this fucking crazy skateboarding comedy dream, and I was like, "Wow, man! If the coolest thing, like you work from like an ideal point, I'd be like, ideally." the first big credit I have is like Thrasher. Like that was like a throwaway. I was like, it probably won't be. It'll be fucking you put it fuel out there. TV. You know, it'll be like <laughs> something not as cool. And I would take it because right now I'm driving fucking Uber Eats, right? So it's like, I'll take anything um, that will move me in the direction I'm, a, I'm trying to go, which like would be, you know, touring and doing theaters and skating all day. <laughs> So what happened was is the Thrasher thing did line up and I because I had that crazy vision of like, well, man, if a, if the Thrasher thing happens, then, man, I bet you I could like get repped by like a really good management company 
ideally not a traditional management company, like a company that like represents skateboarders. Right. And I, so I looked up like, what are these companies? And I found out like my, I have a really good friend who works kind of with one of the owners of what would be like kind of the ideal management company. And so I'd been talking to him essentially for years and kind of, we've been talking about that management. He, I think actually he told me about the management company, which is then why I was like, man, that would be cooler to be repped by a company. Like I didn't really know skateboarders had managers in the way that actors or athletes do. Mm -hmm. And once I kind of found that out, I was like, that would be great because that's really the industry where I want to build my foundation and the industry that would mean the most to me because I'm fucking such a skate nut that it would uh, it would create the circumstances that would lead to this crazy dream of mine faster and easier. Right. Um, and where I think I could provide like essentially the most value. You know, because I was—I knew that there was kind of a hole in the skateboarding industry for a comedian, for like an actual comedian, not just like a skater who's kind of funny, funny sometimes. Yeah. You know, um, and you're feeling it. I'm trying to. It look, but it looks like because of that kind of grand, grand picture of what I wanted to do, that um, that the Thrasher thing, that it all did. It were it led to the next domino, and I'm only bringing all this up. Really, it all started with health. Right. Yeah. Because in my darkest moments throughout, like what are now like the greatest successes of my life, um, I have I in my darkest moments, I've been like, man, just fucking roll up another spliff, you know, like let's go, fucking, let's go drink a fifth of tequila, or like I in my darkest moments, I think about those things, but at no point ever throughout any of this have I. Like has the reality of it happening even seems possible. Like it not even close, like nowhere in the process. Am I like, man, Oh, I'm, you know, this is great. I'm going to fucking party, <laughs> you know, like cheat on my wife or something like that. Like, this is what I see people do in situations like this when they get their first like ounce of success, success or, um, victory or anything. Um, time and to I, ruin it time to fuck it up <laughs> which is my history you know like in comedy anyway I haven't had like that many opportunities but there were definitely things in New York or shows I had been on people I have talked to where I just completely fucking blew it where I was like this is good I had a good show I'm talking to someone who matters foot in my mouth <laughs> you know like ruin it like they'll never look at me the same again I, I wouldn't even don't even want to name names I can think of at least five or six times where I might have been able to turn something into an opportunity and I did the opposite <laughs> <laughs> Young, drunk, essentially, yeah. is what it comes down to. But and not and not not knowing what I want, not knowing who anybody is, not really understanding how not only show business works, but how business works. You know, you have to like provide a service, provide a value, lo know how to sell yourself. Like this is all stuff I learned in real estate. And then when I started doing comedy, I was like none of that applies this is you know punk rock rock and roll shit you know what's fun everyone knows who's funny yeah but it doesn't really matter that much um luckily all of this to say i'm reporting to you that although my shoulders have been dislocating <laughs> i am on um the now i think the best health i've ever been in in my entire life that's beautiful 
I'm drinking smoothies. I make my own kombucha. I do exercises every day. Um, and uh, and I no longer eat fast food all the time. But it all, it sometimes <laughs> I do. I like how you said all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I used to eat it all the time. We and my wife were talking about this. It's like that first um, when you get a car, fast food is cheap. And it's something that you couldn't have anytime you wanted when you didn't have a car. Yeah. And so as soon as you get a little bit of money, for a lot of kids, this is like an American thing for sure. As soon as you get a car, you get a little bit of money, you just start being like, you know what? I, I want some McDonald's apple pies right now. And there's nobody, no mommy or daddy in my car to say I can't. I'm going to drive right up there. I'm going to put my own fucking two and a half dollars on the counter. And I'm going to eat those apple pies in the car while I listen to fucking Tupac. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, by the way, the best way to eat apple pies. There is no better way to eat apple pies than with a little Tupac pairing. Uh, how how are we doing on time? We are at one hour and twenty two minutes. Whoa! Yeah. Oh shit! Oh, you should have said something, man. We did it though. Good, what a good. what a tale! What a what a you, journey! You wrapped we wrapped it all up and everything. We got uh, we didn't get a full song, but we got a lot of riffs. Yeah, we did. We, we did. could piece something together with those. And uh, no world saving ideas, but we got long stories. A bunch of long stories. Talked about health habits. Went through all of that stuff. I know. Sorry, longtime listeners are repeated a lot of stuff, but this is Addictive Tickle 2.0. That's right. We got a lot of. We got a whole bunch of new people, and I'm saying this to like eight people <laughs> who listen to those other episodes. But those are my fans, and you are my world. Um, all right, we're gonna wrap it up. World saving idea. Next week we'll double up. I'll think all or next episode. We're gonna do two of these a week. Is the goal. Um, so next time we'll do, we'll double up. We'll do two world saving ideas. And I am fully aware of the entitlement (laughs) I have as a, as a straight white guy trying to save the world (laughs) with my silly fucking ideas that listening to the other episode, I was like, this sounds a little (laughs) entitled. (laughs) I'll figure it out. I know people have been working on this for hundreds of years, but I think me skater comedy dad, he'll do it. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you soon. Mike, you're the best. Hey, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm enough. I am enough. I'm enough. You guys, you're enough. You're special and you're beautiful. And I need your money. You guys buy my (laughs) t-shirts, please. Uh, Sign up to be a patron. Uh, I love you. This has been Addictive Tickle.